Did you know it was Valentine's Day? If you didn't know, this is the reminder to take care of that before it's too late, okay? There's still a little time left. But, you know, last Sunday I preached on love, and I said I'm going to tell you in advance so that you'll get ready this week, right? And I went out and got a, a Valentine card from my wife, and I got her flowers, and I got her jewelry. Yeah, hey, because that's the kind of guy I am. You know what I'm saying? And But here's the deal. I couldn't get her candy because she's on this special diet, and so she can't have candy, and so I just ate hers. No, I didn't do that. I, I can't have candy either. <laughs> Let's all say, oh, yeah, it's pretty sad, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> like I need candy, right? Okay, so anyway, we're glad that you're here. And also, I want to thank you for recognizing and, and commenting on my birthday. I had a birthday this past week. I was 64. My brother sent me the Beatles song, Will You Still Need Me? Will You Still Feed Me? When I'm 64. I'm sure out of empathy he sent that to me. And so I told the staff that uh, really I was 46. I was just dyslexic. And Steve Irwin on staff said he was dyslexic too, but he was still 55. So anyway, we're wrapping up the series on life hacks today. We're taking that from James, the first chapter. And it says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And we've learned in this series that application makes all the difference. So we can learn about it. We can hear about it. We can read about it. But until we do it, it doesn't make any difference, right? And we said there are significant, helpful, and practical life hacks. Do you remember the first week it was on forgiveness? We said forgiven people forgive. That's right. And then we talked about confession. We said genuine confession leads to genuine change, right? And then the third one was to rest. You move, your life moves to a better place when you move at a, subst a sustainable pace, right? So just to pace yourself. The fourth week we talked about love and your relationships, and today we're going to talk about encouragement. Everybody say, yay! Encouragement, right, that's good, okay? Now listen, the Gortman Institute did a lot of research and made this observation. They discovered in most of our conversations that we have a ratio between criticism and encouragement. Did you know that? We do both of those things, but here's the bad news. For every one comment of encouragement, we make six comments of criticism. Oh, that's bad. That's really bad. We don't want to do that, do we? And that explains why there's a lot of ne negativity in workplaces and dysfunction and why marriages struggle and why parents and children struggle. And nobody's going to argue that we need to encourage other people because we all do. But then the problem is that we don't always see the benefit of the encouragement. We just think that encouragement is a nice thing to do, but it's really not just a nice thing to do. It's critical and it's urgent. If you think encouragement is just a nice thing to do, then you'll never drift toward encouragement. We drift toward criticism, but we don't drift toward encouragement. We have to work and encouragement for that to occur. So today, we're going to talk about the encouragement principle in the Bible, and it's there to help us change the ratio of criticism to encouragement. You know, I'm an old man now, and so whenever I hear the word ratio, it goes back to Andy Griffith. Most of you don't even know who Andy Griffith is, but Andy Griffith had a son named Opie, and he was trying to explain 
ratios to Opie, and Opie wasn't getting it, and he was thinking that this was a guy, right? And all he kept saying was poor Horatio, right? Well, I just love that little scene. If you've never seen it, Google it this afternoon and watch it. It's cute. So today we're going to talk about these ratios. And in the past seven days, here's the question I want you to ask yourself. What has my ratio been? What's my ratio been of criticism to encouragement? Because the first circle of conversation that we have is with our families, right? Our wives, our husbands, our children, our parents. And that's the closest and inner circle that we have. And then it goes beyond that. And the second one is wider than that. And it goes to coworkers and neighbors. And then the third one is just people that we come in contact with, maybe at the coffee shop or at the dry cleaners or at the grocery store. And so the important thing is that we have, a, we have a tendency to take those conversations for granted, but it's important that we not do that, that we become very, very intentional about those conversations being very, very encouraging. So today, as we look at those things, do we have opportunities for interactions of encouragement? I want you to think about it this next week. How can I encourage the people that I come across? And then when we realize that it makes a big difference, it's not only beneficial to the people, but it's also beneficial to us because Proverbs is were written by Solomon. Solomon was the wealthiest and the wisest man who ever lived. And, and he relates this to encouragement. Here's what he says in uh, 11, the book of Proverbs 11.25. A generous person will prosper whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And so it comes back to you, doesn't it? You can also use the word replenishes. Whoever replenishes others will be replenished. Because you see, all of us have insecurity and self-doubt, and we all have needs for encouragement. Now, listen to this soldier's experience that he got from being in the service. This was said by a guy in 1967, and he, well, we were at war with Vietnam, and he had gone to the U.S. Army Ranger School in Fort Benning, Georgia. And he said it was brutal there. But he goes on and says this, I can still hear the raspy voice of my sergeant. He said, we're here to save your lives. We're going to see to it that you overcome all your natural fears. We're going to show you just how much incredible stress the human mind can body can endure. And when we're finished with you, he said, <clears throat> you'll be the U.S. Army's best. And then before he dismissed us from formation, he gave us our first assignment. We all braced ourselves. Are we going to have to run 10 miles with our heavy backpacks and all of our gear on? Are we going to have to rappel down a sheer cliff? And then he said to his surprise, instead the sergeant said this, find a buddy. Find a buddy ranger, a ranger buddy, he said. You'll stick together with this person. You never are apart from them. You never know when you're going to need them. You're there to encourage each other, and if necessary, you're there to carry each other. It was the army, ways of saying, army way of saying difficult assignments require a friend. Together is better than alone. So who's your ranger buddy, right? Look at the person next to you and ask them now, who's your ranger buddy, right? Because we want to know. 
Now, we all need that encouragement, and so we need to find our ranger buddy. <laughs> and some of you have some thoughts about who your ranger buddy can be. I can tell the wheels are turning. Try to stay with me. Don't go off on a tangent on that, okay? Because I got other things to say. Now, I love what Truett Cathy said about encouragement. Truett Cathy is dead and gone to heaven now. He was the guy that started Chick-fil-A, and I love him. I met him one time at the airport in, in Dulles Airport in Washington, D.C. He was there with his preacher and their wives for the Horatio Alger Award. There's Horatio again, right there, right? And so we were talking and visiting together. And at that time, I lived in Navarre, Florida. And I, I kept talking to him. And I said, you know, I love your restaurants. But I have to drive to Fort Walton Beach or Pensacola to get a sandwich. I want you to build a Chick-fil-A in Navarre. And I just kept on hammering that, you know. Well, well, he, he, you know, he kept, he was polite, but he would change the subject, and he would go off on something else. And I would say, well, let's get back to Navarre. I want to talk about having a Chick Fil A restaurant. And he started laughing at me. And finally, he said, Well, if I open it, will you run it for me? And I said, Well, you know, I'm a minister. I can't do that. I got a full time ministry. And he said, Well, I think we have a ministry at Chick fil A. We're closed on Sunday. We teach young people values that are Christian. And he just went on and on, preached me a sermon there in the airport, right? And so, anyway, I love what he said about encouragement. He said, The international sign to determine whether a person needs encouragement is if they're breathing. <laughs> If they're, if they're breathing, they need encouragement. He said, all of us are plagued with self-doubt and insecurity. Ladies, let me tell you. Let me tell you what your husband or your boyfriend is thinking. Every man wrestles with this question. Do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes to do the job, to be the leader, to be the husband, to be the father I need to be? Do I have what it takes? And the world says, no. No, you don't have what it takes. So stop trying to fool yourself. <clears throat> Guys, here's the thing that, that all the wives, the girlfriends, are, are asking themselves. Does he notice me? Does he notice who I am and what I'm doing? Does he think I'm pretty? Does he think I'm special? Did he get me anything for Valentine's Day? Does he notice me? And dads, if you've got a daughter, society tells them they're not pretty enough they're not skinny enough, and they're not good enough because they'll never match up to those really slick uh, computer-enhanced images you see of supermodels in the grocery store checkout line in the grocery store. And they need to hear you say, you're beautiful, you're wonderful, you're special, I notice you. So don't wait to give people roses of encouragement at their funerals. Go ahead and give them to them now while they still need them. Did you know that one of the bosses at Chick-fil-A takes a piece of paper and he sets it on fire? And then he takes the ashes from that piece of paper and he dumps it in an envelope. And then he writes this letter to people who are operators of Chick-fil-A restaurants who are just really doing well. Their, their sales are just going through the roof. And this is what he says to them. Your sales are on fire. Your sales are on fire. I believe in you. I'm praying for you. Hang in there. 
And then months later, they all get together at the annual Chick-fil-A convention. I spoke one time at the Arby's convention one time for this guy in my church who owned a bunch of Arby's stores. And they got together all day and celebrated their success and all they'd accomplished and got prizes. And I just had a message of encouragement to them that day. Well, at this sales meeting for Chick-fil-A, they get together. And some of these people who have really achieved a high level of success, they get a car. And so they get to go on stage and thank everybody who helped make that happen. And they usually thank their spouses and their families and all the folks who work there with them at Chick-fil-A and the people at the headquarters who encourage them. And a lot of times what they'll say is, you know, about halfway to three quarters through the year, I was about to give up on our goal for sales this year. It just didn't look like we were going to make it. I just didn't think we could get there and I was ready to give up. It was just too big and I was close to throwing in the towel, I didn't think we could achieve our goal. But then one day I got this letter from Chick-fil-A from the headquarters, and I opened it up, and all these ashes fell out on my desk, and there was a letter in there from Jimmy Collins, and the letter said, your sales are on fire. I believe in you. I'm praying for you. Hang in there. And at that moment, he said, I just changed my attitude. I decided to be all in. If Jimmy Collins believes in me, then I believe in me. And I'm going to go for this goal and see if I can achieve it. And it was a huge encouragement today to me. And, and the reason that I'm here today and that I want a car and that I'm on the stage is because of that letter I got with those ashes inside to encourage me. So it's an important thing to remind people especially employees, that they're people, they're, they're persons, they, they count, they matter. You know what I tell the staff all the time, especially when they're going through a difficult time and they come to me and say, I need to take off, I, I'm having this crisis, I've got this problem, we've had a death in the family, whatever it is, I always say to them, you know, you are more important than your job you do. We just care about you as a person. And we, yeah, we're very grateful for all that you do. And you're a great staff and you do a great job. And I'm just so appreciative of that. But what I want you to know is that I just care about you. I think about you and that you're more important than the job that you do. And so if you're plagued by self-doubt or insecurity, it reminds us as leaders to really change that work environment atmosphere if we can. Ladies, do you know how powerful your voices are to your husbands. We need your appreciation and your respect and your encouragement. Parents, if your kids are old enough and they understand it, go sit down on the side of their bed tonight and talk to them and say, hey, let's talk about my ratio of criticism to encouragement. Do I encourage you more than I criticize? And if not, I want you to help me to do a better job with that. Students, what about your ratio of criticism to encouragement to your parents? Now, I know a lot of you think that your parents aren't real people. Let me, in, let me let you in on a secret. They are. They really are real people. You just don't always see them that way, and we're glad to have them and thankful for them, especially if we've still got them around, right? And every time that you bump into somebody this week and have a brief conversation, you know, you need to think about encouragement. Now, here's what happens. A lot of times we think in our minds, yeah, that's good, but encouragement's not really that big of a deal. Well, let me tell you something. Encouragement is never small when it's given to you. How do you feel 
when you're encouraged, it makes all the difference, doesn't it? While I'm talking about this, let me just comment on two groups of people in the life of the church who really need to be encouraged. First, single parents. Single parents work hard. They take care of their kids. They, they really don't have enough hours in the day, and they need our encouragement. And so today or this week, if you run across a single parent, somebody you know, just tell them, hey, I want to encourage you. I noticed the job you do. I appreciate you, and you mean a lot, and I'm going to pray for you. And then there's another group that needs encouragement, and that's widows and widowers. They need our encouragement, too. They need to know that we have not forgotten them, that we still think of them and pray for them, that their lives may have changed forever, but they're not alone because they have a church family that cares. Did you know that nearly 3,000 athletes take part in the Summer Olympic Games that are the Special Olympics in Michigan? And in those Special Olympics, they have a theme. And here's their theme. Caring is more important than winning. Don't you love that? And this is especially true with these competitors who are mentally impaired. At these events of Special Olympics, they have a track meet like any other, but here's the difference. They assign these people to stand on the side of the track and encourage a runner. Each one has a specific runner that they encourage. They call by name and they cheer for that person. Each person is waiting for them. And then when they get to the finish line, not only do they announce the winner, but they announce their person no matter where they come in in the race. And their job is to go give them a hug. They're professional huggers. Isn't that great? And they just all celebrate together. Well, in Romans 16, the Apostle Paul picks up on that whole idea. And he's talking to the people and he's talking about running the race. And he remembers them by name in that passage. And, and that kind of encouragement makes other people around us feel good. If you hear me say this today and think, what about me? I need encouragement too. I need someone to speak into my life. What about me? Then that's a great question to ask. And here's the brilliant thing about what Solomon said. In Proverbs 11:25, he said this, when you replenish others, you will be replenished. It comes back. Solomon is saying, you don't have to wait for somebody else to go first. Just step out and do it this week and see if it won't bless you as well. And that's why the wisest man who ever lived said when you replenish others, it doesn't just help them, it helps you as well. So here's your homework. Look at the person next to you and say, now you've got homework. Okay, tell them that. Tell them. And it goes on your permanent record too. So make sure and do it, okay? In our conversations, I want us to lean toward encouragement and away from Criticism. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians, You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. We choose not to just hear about it, not to just read it, not to just talk about it and think about it. We choose to take that and apply it, to go and do it. So we're going to forgive and we're going to confess and we're going to rest and we're going to love and we're going to 
and courage. That's right. Because we learned earlier in this series, application makes all the difference. Let's pray. Lord, I just want to encourage all of us to take your words to heart. Lord, this week, just make us sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Enable us to hear that still small voice encouraging us to say a word of encouragement to someone else. Maybe someone we know, maybe someone we love, maybe someone we're close to. May also be someone that we barely know. Someone that we just come across this week. And we pray that you will allow us to do that for them. In your son's name I pray. Amen.